Hi, everyone. Welcome to Snarky with Mike Feeney. I'm your host, T.I. T.I. is now a stand-up comedian, everybody. Isn't that great? Remember the rapper, T.I.? No longer. He is a stand-up comic now. We'll get to him in a sec. But first, I want to thank everybody for watching the show. Appreciate you. Thanks for being here. I hope you got yourself a drink or a smoke or whatever ails you. Just sit back, kick back, and relax at, if you're watching this on YouTube, 12 p.m. on a Tuesday. Like we all do. Um, we got a new cocktail alert to the show. Um, we have never done this before. I have made a tequila sour. A, a play on the popular whiskey sour. But as those of you who know me know well, uh, whiskey is my 30th favorite liquor. So in this, we have uh, Casamigos Añejo tequila. Very High quality tequila, Nicole. So I'm not f-ing around with this. We also have, but I did curse too early. So now this whole episode, now it's off the rails, Nicole. Now we can do whatever we want. Now we're pirate radio. YouTube ain't letting anybody see this thing. Um, and we got, uh, what else we got? Okay, so we got tequila in here. We got, now this is an interesting ingredient, which a lot of people go like, ew, what? Um, an egg white is in this drink. You have to take the, the just the white of an egg. It's a very racist recipe. And you put it in there. And that's what causes this little froth when you when you do the dry shake. Very important. Not a not an, a shake with ice, but a dry shake first. Then you put the ice in. Then you shake it again. Uh, it also obviously lemon juice is quite prevalent in this, and a little bit of agave nectar. And I, I did a little lemon twist on top of it, and you know do a little dry shake. Put it in the ice. Pour it over there. And now we're cooking. I mean, look at it. it's like velvety. It's tart. It makes me sip it instead of chugging it. Although I do have Nicole on standby at the ready to go grab a second drink if and when and definitely when we need another one during this show. Um, Nicole, hi, how are you? What do you what do you think of the drink? I'm good. Um, the drink is great. As I told you before we started, it tastes like a lemon head, which I love. So yeah. very tasty. Love it. Love it. Did you uh, did the egg white throw you at all? Um, I didn't know it was in there, so I am a little spooked by that, but it's still really good. I, well, that's why I, I told you after. Yeah, I feel tricked in a good way. Yeah, like if I told you, hey, I'm going to give you this drink with tequila and eggs in it, you'd be like, I'd like to leave now, please. But alas, we got her. Um, So, so T.I., everybody, T.I. is doing stand-up comedy down in Atlanta. I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. I feel like a lot of rappers have tried this transition. I definitely feel like Snoop Dogg has tried to be a stand-up comedian once or twice or that kind of thing. It happens from time to time because, you know, they do have very cool, very awesome stories that people want to hear. If you're successful enough, that's the thing about stand-up that kind of sucks. Is like if you're famous enough and have, or have lived a crazy enough life, people will pay to hear what that life is, even if it's not necessarily like funny or tight or you know, good. Uh, it just is like, whoa, you met Jay-Z? Like, you know, people are just willing to listen because, you know, people's lives are not great. So, um, but here's the thing. My initial thought when I heard that T.I. was doing stand-up comedy, I was like, well, that's all she wrote for comedy, you know? That's it. It's dead and gone, you know? I say, let rappers have comedy. They'll make it cooler. Just bring them out, bring them out, and tell them do whatever you like and live your life because I can't, you can't keep people out of stand up anymore because it's just, there's the stand up purists that we always want to be like, 
this person used to be a porn star, this person used to be a wrestler, they have no business being on the stage, but the TikToker, whatever, the, the YouTuber, but the more that I get older and care less, the more I go, you know what? Just let them have it. Just fucking come by, take the baton from us and run it into the ground, you know? It's like when you're the CEO of a company or you've like founded this company and then you get it, like Jeff Bezos, perfect example, right? He's like, he built up Amazon, build it up, build it up, build it up, sells it, and now he's like, you know, he's still trying to make decisions, but at the same time he goes, I don't care what the fuck you do with it anymore, pal. I'm fucking wiping my hands. And that's what you do. You just, you build something up, Someone gives you a ton of money, and then you go, goodbye, good luck. I, integrity is gone because who gives a shit? We're living in a hellscape. And then that's what you do. You get out of there. And also, it's like, not to say that comedy is any sort of pure form. It's pure in the fact of like, oh, it's it's just us in the audience and one man with a microphone, you know, whatever. But it's not like the comedy audiences are a high caliber of society, you know what I mean? Like generally, it's like, it's always seen as like the, people don't view it at the same thing as Broadway, you know? It's, it's never in that same vein. Matter of fact, I was in New York Comedy Club last weekend. I'm doing a show. Uh, Brennan Saglow was on the show with me too. We're sitting there after the show. We're just talking, bullshitting. And this man comes up to me, an older man, and he shakes my hand and he starts doing the like, I'm nodding at you so you think like here comes the compliment you know because why else are we touching hands you know and so he's shaking my hand and he goes get a haircut and walked out and there was no other context i never did a joke about a haircut i never talked about my hair i i didn't have the hair down in my face it was perfectly styled as is today as is always and uh and and i just went okay and then he left and then Saglo and i tried to unpack that for the next 30 minutes where we go, is that, like, he wasn't even bald. Like, I don't even understand where that aggression came from that he was just like, get a haircut, you goddamn hippie. You know, like, I don't I don't have, my hair is pretty cleanly maintained. You know, like, I'd get it if I had, like, hair over my ears and it's going everywhere. But, Nicole, do you see the credence in this man's face-to-face uh, -face heckle? No, because you have, like, if someone says get a haircut, it's, to get your haircut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. If, if they look kind of, like, all over the place, usually they're suggesting to get basically the exact same haircut you have. Yeah, yeah, I will try, but, you know, levels in which not many can aspire to. But I, I do think that there is a thing to that where I go, I don't even know. I think that guy literally was like, what's the most, like, crazy thing I could say that would so confuse this man that he would talk about it on a podcast almost a week later? Ta-da! That's it. I guess it's just get a haircut. So, you know, that's that. And um Well, what hair did he have? Was he like bald? Well, it was hard because he had a coat on. He wasn't bald, but he was like he had like old man hair. Which I think his hair was a little like, you know, fucking Christopher Lloyd going everywhere. So I don't think he was in any business. He looked like he just got you know, put his hand on a big bulb of electricity or something like that. Where is going all that kind of thing. But I I don't know. I don't even remember him because once he said that, everything in my brain shut off and tried to focus all of its resources and energy on unpacking why he said that, like in what what motivated him to say that. And he never was like, hey, great set, get a haircut. The only, he said those three, get a haircut and walked away. That's all the context I have. And you guys figure it out, I guess, you know? So that's that. There's so much in the news this week that 
either broke my brain or upset me or just made me be like, this is why I don't like being on Twitter, you know? Um, some stuff is fun. Like, for instance, I saw that, you know, they're doing the the Razzies. You know about those, Nicole? <laughs> no. The Razzies are an award festival every year for the um, worst actors, worst movies every year. So they give out. It's basically they're just a bully award ceremony. They just go like, hey, you sucked the most of every actress this year. Congratulations on your Razzie. You know, and you don't want to. You don't want to get one. It's it's bad to get one. It's bad to be nominated, right? So every year they come out and it's kind of like funny, but I think they actually do like a full award ceremony, which is like hilarious because obviously none of the people are going to show up because, you know, that's it's wildly insulting to them. But this year, I got to hand it to the Razzies. They created their own category for Bruce Willis because Bruce Willis was in eight movies eight movies in 2021 and he had so many bad all of them were so bad when you combine when you combine all eight films it equals a total of 45 percent on rotten tomatoes <laughs> eight films cumulative give you a 45 percent so they created their own category because he's been he was nominated for so many times in the movies that he's in he's every He's every nomination in that category, obviously, and they're calling it the Willis. And uh, I got to say, if I'm Bruce Willis, first off, leave that person alone, Bruce Willis. I mean, the man is just out here. This is what Bruce Willis does. He comes in. He makes like seven great films. Then he comes. He leaves for a little while. Then he comes back, makes 10 terrible films that we don't talk about anymore. And then he comes Then he goes away and he comes back and he'll put a good performance. You got to let him have the good with the bad. Sometimes. The man needs a paycheck, all right? He's going through divorces. He's got, he's got money to pay. He's got a lot going on. Um, but secondly, if I'm Bruce Willis, I, you got, I would show up. I would show up to this and accept it in person. And depending upon which me gets, which Bruce Willis wins for which movie is how I would react. If he was like in one of like the gangster movies, I'd be a little more. But I also think you could go there and physically intimidate all of the, you know, overweight nerds that are behind the laptop that are deciding to come up with these things. But it seems like if all it's going to take is one actor to kill themselves, and then this is going to be like a story we go, I can't believe we let the Razzies exist for so long. They're a bully award ceremony. And if we had just, if just one of you celebrities, I mean, Bruce Willis, perhaps, you know, maybe this is, your final curtain call. This is your black swan moment. If you kill yourself at the Razzies, you will go down. Not only will you stop the Razzies, there will be no more Razzies after that. The, the public outcry, Twitter will, will fucking come rainbows. They'll be so excited to take them down. And we'll all be like, how could we let this oppression exist for so long in this society? But Bruce Willis will also go down as like a hero. He'll be like, he stood up. For all the actors, he didn't let this happen anymore. He showed the awareness of mental illness in this country. That's also a funny thing. Can I just say that? About like, <laughs> this is a weird way to say. The funny thing about when people kill themselves uh, is, is that a lot, if it's a celebrity who kills themselves, all of a sudden, they, they're like a part of the reason they did it is to like raise awareness for mental health. Do you ever notice that? Like, 
I've had friends who have committed suicide and there's never been any like, like, oh, he, you know, he was, he had depression. He had a chemical imbalance. He was sad. He didn't talk to enough friends, but also he wanted to raise awareness for mental health issues. It's like, he didn't. He loved Coke and Bud Light, you know, and like, you know, and got into a bad time. But I but it is a weird thing when a celebrity dies of a suicide, like when Robin Williams or Anthony Bourdain died of a suicide. They're like, this is why the funniest people are always hurting inside the most. And you're like, well, Anthony Bourdain also had a big, you know, heroin addiction for a while. That, you know, that kind of threw his his dopamine levels off probably for a bit, I would say, you know, but uh but anyway, that's that. And that, what do you think about the Razzies, Nicole? Do you think Bruce Willis should kill himself and there and therefore become an immortal actor? I feel like he could probably capitalize off of that in like been dead the whole time kind of way. Like I'm oh. sure he could probably tie that in. Somehow. Like the Sixth Sense. Yes, exactly. Maybe he goes on a rampage and kills a bunch of people and like Die Hard, <laughs> all Razzies employees though, and then. He kills himself at the end as his mea culpa. It's his apology because he doesn't want to get canceled. You know, the last thing you want to do after a killing spree is have people sh- talking shit on you on Twitter. So then if you're like, well, I'll kill myself at the end. What are they going to do? You know, so I think that's that's the way to do it. Um, and that's a fun little story, though. And I and another story that was so fun to me, Nicole, I have a feeling you're really going to love this. The guy who played Barney the dinosaur, you know, Barney, the guy who played Barney the dinosaur now runs a tantric sex business, which is, I mean, how did they know? Like, is he is he in costume? Like, I don't understand. I think he obviously probably did this for some publicity, but I, I wrote down some of these things. He works at a, at a ta- as a tantra massage specialist and spiritual healer. And for $350, sorry, per session, he helps them release energy and balance their chakras. Sounds like make you come by jacking you off. That's what it sounds like to me. A lot of elements, and then he, he also said this, a lot of elements from Barney were a lot of the things I was training within Tantra. Uh, yeah, within Tantra? Tantra? It's Tantric, but is it, when it's just the A, is it Tantra? That doesn't sound right, or is it Tantra? How would you say that, Nicole? Tantra, I think. But... Right? I don't Could know. be wrong. Yeah. I just feel like this is great. because And they gave him shit for this, but I'm also going to throw him on an early leave that person alone list guy who played Barney because, first off, uh, I think every kid who comes from a broken home and has that stunted developmental early phase, you know, like that thing that happened like, Barney was their outlet, you know, because when they were a kid, they saw their mom run over their dad with a Buick or something. And so now they're fucked up for the rest of their life, but they could just go to Barney and they were okay. And so forever, maybe they have this little bit of a Barney fetish. For $350, it's a steal. It's a steal to go there, get jerked off by Barney and get your, you know, your chakras rebalanced and your energy in the form of sperm released from its, its, its captor, which is inside of your, you know, your ball sack. But if I were him, you know that there's gotta be at least one guy who's like midway through the energy release segment. And is just like, sing the fucking song, sing the goddamn song right now. You know? And then he's just like, I love you. You know, he's just with his mitten hand. I love you. (laughs) 
Yeah. Oh, man. A single Barney tear comes down his face when he realizes that he's just sold himself into sex work, you know? Anyway, that's that. <laughs> mm. Nicole, any thoughts? <laughs> yeah, nothing like a nice felt hand job. Yeah. It sounds, oh, it man, sounds that would really be, nice. Yeah, it's like getting jerked off by a pool table. It's uh <laughs> it's just, you know. <laughs> sounds awful. <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot chalky. Of, it's just rug burn. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just a slight rug burn all the time. But uh yeah, it's so weird. What a weird thing to come out and do. But nothing as weird or nor infuriating as this thing that I read on Twitter yesterday, and thank God I'm not alone because I've never seen something get ratioed so bad in my entire life. I think it had like 100 retweets and like 43,000 quote retweets. But NPR tweeted out this news article that they wrote, and the name of it is, um, which skin color emoji should you use? The answer can be more complex than you think. And here's the first thing. No, it can't. And no, it isn't. It's not complex at all. We're talking about emojis. So uh, let me read you just the, just the, some of this, because it is, it's mind blowing that someone was paid to spend time on this. Some people may choose the, you know, the Simpson colored yellow emoji because it feels neutral. But some academics, none, um, argue that <laughs> argue that opting out of white guy, the white hand, signals a lack of awareness about white privilege akin to society associating whiteness with being raceless. So this is written by two people, and I will never credit never speak their name as to not give them any this is like when a school shooter okay this is how we treat a school shooter or some sort of like mass shooter in america we just don't say their name we never give them any publicity and we just talk about this is what we should do we they're just since they're obviously two of the biggest clowns in the history of society since bozo let's call them bozo and crusty how about that this was written by Bozo and Krusty the Clowns because they had to have known what they were doing, right? And I can't explain how long this article is. And like cited with academic research from the University of Woke Give a Fuck, you know, or whatever it is outside of some goddamn school. But I can't, I can't believe that there is a person on Twitter or in real life who's like, this is what we need to be talking about. I've been saying this for years. Anytime someone sends me a yellow emoji, I'm like, hey man, be who you are. Identify as what you really, what if I identify as a Simpson? How about that? Can I, can I live my life? Or is it because my skin is white, I'm hiding my, my racial uh, privilege by, by not giving you the white emoji that I so desperately know that I am. I mean, to me, these two, I just, I can't get over how, first off, obnoxious it is. Secondly, how, like, of, of all the things to make an important race-baited uh, article about, about emojis is one of the more hilarious things. I mean, Nicole, I, did, did you see this article? Because it was trending on Twitter. No, I didn't see it. Okay, well, first off, 
I just want to see, I would love to sit down in a room with these two people. Just with Bozo and Krusty, immediately be like, hey, real quick, can't help but notice what a big red nose you got there. Because you're a clown. How did you write that article with all that whipped cream filling on your face from the pie that someone must have thrown into your face? Let me get a little spritz of seltzer, clean you off real quick, because you're a clown. You're an absolute clown. And I can't, while I'm reading this, I feel like they should be making me a balloon giraffe, you know? Just make me some sort of animal, make me some sort of, make me a balloon gun and I'll kill myself with it. Because if there's at least, if there's one, one person out there on the planet that's like, this is it, this is what I feel is important, then I don't think there's any hope for us as a society. And you gotta remember, NPR approved this, approved, they were like, let's put this on our page and then tweet it out and like think we could have a honest discourse about race emojis because it's about time someone spoke up for them and the people. I don't understand and I hope the world gets nuked. I, at this point, what is there to do, Nicole? What is there to do? How can we fix this? <laughs> How can we fix this? I have no idea. It's also just like they constantly are putting out the most bizarre emojis that we can't even tell what they're supposed to be. So this whole argument is just crazy. But God forbid you don't pick the emoji that most accurately, you know, represents your color, which is hilarious because it's like if there was, if a black guy was using the Simpsons emoji, would it be like fucked up? Is that, is that, is that like some sort of racist undertone because he like is not proud of being African-American or is it just the default one that comes with it and he decided, you know what? I'm just gonna go with that because I don't think I need to make it a black thumbs up because the person I'm talking to knows that I'm black and if they don't, they know I'm not Simpsons yellow so they'll figure it out, you know? And so Kanye West tweeted out years ago something along the lines of like, I stay with the Bart Simpson emojis or something like that. Like he said it so long ago and I think that's fine, you know? And I don't think, but the problem, this whole article isn't about that. This article is about white people hiding behind the yellow thumbs up as if it is, um, you know, some sort of white, yellow washing of history. I don't understand how it works, but hey, to Bozo and Krusty, fuck that person, all right? Get them right on the goddamn list. Put them on there, top of the list, fuck off, and uh, figure out what to do with your life that makes any realistic change. Although I will say, you gave me a topic for the podcast, so if that was your goal, then thanks, because, you know, we got some time out of it, but it makes me like I'm hot. Like, my body is physically reacting to how stupid this article is, and... I guess it's not funny, but you know, it is what I'm feeling. And I feel like that's important in times like these. Um, okay. Some of these fizzle out. I have many other things though. We're good. I'm liking this drink too. It's making me sip it because of the lemony-ness of it. Mm. Mm-hmm. I went to, here's a fun New York City story. I went to KC Balsham, hilarious comedian. Go check it out. She's got a special coming out in the near future. It's going to be great. You'll love. So I saw it while she recorded it. Fantastic. She was having a 40th birthday party 
in New York City, and she had one of the most original birthdays I've seen. I thought it was such a great idea. She rented out this like art gallery on the Lower East Side and catered it with McDonald's. So she had like uh, double cheeseburgers, French fries, chicken nuggets, like a Mount Big Macs, like a mountain of McDonald's food. And the drinks, all the booze, like there was, you know, there was a ton of booze to choose from, but she also had a dirty martini like self-serve station and a Cosmo self-serve station, like in a big, you know, pitcher you'd put, uh, you'd put iced tea or sangria in or something, but it was dirty martinis, which was, I've never seen before. I never even conceived of such a thing. And it was absolutely fantastic. And we go to this party, Erica and I, and we're, we got there probably like 40 minutes after it started and it was still like light. There was probably, you know, 10 people there, I'd say or so. So we're hanging out in this art gallery. We're, we're eating some McDonald's, we're drinking some martinis. And then I look over at the front door and there is some sort of kerfuffle, dare I say, happening at the front door. And I see a man attempting to get in. And I see the guy who is the proprietor. He's like a skinny, old white guy trying to stop this man. And I get a little bit closer to it, and I'm starting to talk to the like three or four other comics that are around. I'm going, we may have a situation over at the door. And I hear the guy going, sir, I'm sorry, this is a private party. Uh, you, you, you can't enter, we're closed. And the guy, who I would paint as a six foot four, 275 pound homeless man, went, fuck that, and shoved him to the side and started walking in towards us, towards the art venue. So now, Casey's dad, who's like San Francisco, like hippie, like he's like uh, he's like Dustin Hoffman in Meet the Fockers, you know what I mean? He's like, hey man, I'll give you a hug. Like he, everything's chill. He he tries to cut him off at the past. Robbie, Casey's husband, tries to cut him off at the past. And they're like, hey, listen, we're so sorry. There's a private party. We can't let you in. But what we can do is we can give you McDonald's. You hungry? You want some food for the road? They make him a plate all this McDonald's, all these French fries, some cheeseburgers, they give him a club soda, like, here, you could take this. And the man's just kind of like, he's not agreeing to it, he's just staring at them. And he's now, like, in the entranceway, but not fully in the art gallery yet. So he's just holding this stuff, and they're like, there you go, like, we're so sorry, but, like, have a good night. Like, we'll see you later. And he just stares at them, and he just is looking at them, looking at them, and he goes, fuck that. And, like, puts the food down, shoves them to the side and like barrels into the place. So now it becomes like a thing. Like now it is heightened awareness because he's for sure the largest human being in this place. And now I'm starting to, I'm starting to do that thing with the other male comedians where I'm like, we're going to have to like, we're going to have to band together and fight this dude. Now he's going to take down like three of us for sure. Like easily, he's going to just, like bear smash. He looks like a giant grizzly bear on his paws, you know? Like, so he's he's gonna, he's gonna, each of us are gonna have to attack one limb, you know? Like, I'll get his left arm and then I'll just hold on to it as he's walking. Like, a, like a, you know when a, a toddler holds on to their dad as they're, wa- holds on to their leg as they're walking? That's what it was gonna be like. So we're all kind of like plotting and we're, we're kind of bracing for, you know, for some sort of fight. And the guy's like walking and he's like, y'all fucking racist, anti-homeless. And it's like, first off, Everybody's anti-homeless. You know, like, you're anti-homeless. Nobody 
wants to be homeless. Nobody, if you're homeless, what, what are you? Anti-homeless, because what do you want to be? Not homeless. So everybody's anti-homeless, but I didn't correct him on that. Didn't feel like the right time. And uh, so he's, he's ranting and raving about this and that and fuck that. And uh, another comedian, Case Rosso, is trying, he's being very diffusing. Very good job diffusing, going, hey man, nobody wants to fight. Nobody here is looking for a fight. We're just trying to, he said one chode thing where he goes, we're just celebrating the life of our friend. And I was like, ew, gross chode. But then we made fun of him for that later. We couldn't in the moment, but everyone had took a moment like, even, even the homeless guy was like, yuck. So we, you know, we all got past that gross thing. And, um, and then we were, he would just kept being like, sorry, man, nobody wants to fight, nobody wants to fight. And then he makes eye contact with one of this other comedians, uh, this comedian Rob and, I don't know much about Rob's past, but I know from that moment, Rob's been in some scraps. I know Rob has been in some fights in his life. He is shaved head, beard, thick neck, and he just, they locked eyes, and he immediately, without even thinking, Rob just starts taking off his necklaces, he takes off his watch, he takes his phone out, he gives it to another comic, he takes his wallet out, he's just giving it to everybody, and he gets into like fight stance like he lowers his legs and fucking drops down and holds his fist up and doesn't say one word the homeless guy just comes fucking storming over to him and now the homeless guy is also like what do you want to do so now they're probably three feet from one another and there's two or three people in between them everyone's trying to like we're all surrounding him. by the way the, the the guy who owns the place decided to increase tension by cutting off the music. So now it's just silence. So it is pin drop silence, and you just, them, him and the homeless guy are making solid, unflinching, unblinking eye contact with one another. Just a Mexican standoff, wild, wild west, just stare down at each other. Rob's not speaking. He hasn't said one word. He's just staring at him like, make a move, motherfucker, kind of a thing. The other dude is trying to like antagonize him. Like, what do you want to do? Fucking come with him. And he's like half slurring. He's like, I'll fucking come get these fucking hands. Like, just like, you know, saying nonsense words. And everyone at the same time is being like, nobody wants to fight. Nobody wants to fight. Nobody wants to fight. And after like a full, I'm not kidding, two minutes of silent stare down and people trying to talk this guy off the ledge, he finally is just like, like he breaks eye contact. They they bring Rob into like the farther room in the gallery, which by the way, that's where all the women and like older people were because they like rushed them back there. So it's basically it was just like the men in the in this art gallery. And then we were like, let's have all the wives, all the girlfriends, all the females like go in the back so you don't get like attacked, you know? So then he just pushes away and goes into the back where all the women are. So now it's like this whole fucking thing where we're trying to separate Rob and the other guy. The fight doesn't happen. He goes up to Rob and goes, hey man, I was just pump faking with you. I'm just fucking with you. And now all of a sudden he's like, we're cool. Like, I don't understand what the fuck is happening. Now all of a sudden he's like jovial and he goes, and they go, yeah, okay, cool. Like, please leave though. Please leave. Like the cops have been called and the tension was as sharp as that man's smell. And uh, and he just decided to go, "Uh, I want to sing happy birthday to the birthday girl and then I'll leave. And he go, and we go, okay, that sounds like a fair compromise from what was 40 seconds ago. We thought there was going to be a full on brawl with a man who may or may not have had a weapon. We don't even know. 
So he starts singing, and I mean, he goes into like high-end angel voice singing happy birthday. I mean, he is hitting it. Like, it sounds like that episode of The Simpsons where Michael Jackson does one of the voices and he's in like the big giant guy's body, but he sings like, uh, you know, whatever. And he starts singing happy birthday and he, he even remixes the lyrics to help with his homeless situation because he goes, happy birthday, whoever you are. Give me money, please. Or something like that. He asked for money in the song, which is great. I think there's a video of it that uh, another comedian put up. I'm going to try and find. But he literally asked for money in it. If we have it, play it right here. And if we don't, then we didn't. Um, but wow, what a video that probably was. And so it was It was unbelievable. And then, they, so we gave him, people ended up giving him money. I think Casey's dad gave him, we gave him like $25 and McDonald's and a fucking drink and let him hit the road. And he finally left. And then by the time he left, the cops were like pulling up. So you were like, awesome, cool. Thanks for the response. But at the same time, you were like, what a great move by that guy. You know, like that homeless guy, what a, what a rookie, like not a rookie, what a vet move that was to rook us by being like, you know what? It's just a bunch of frail white comedians inside of, actually, you know, that's not even true. They were, there were Persian comedians, there were Middle Eastern comedians there, but just skinny comedian-like people. Not no bodybuilders were there, and just shoved his way in, threatened to fight everybody until he got money in McDonald's, and then left fat, happy, and twenty-five dollars richer. I mean, who's what a good scam, right? But it was it was absolutely terrifying. And by the way, that was the first hour of Casey's party, and then of course, right at I mean, it felt like a like as that man turned the corner to leave. 26 of Casey's biggest, strongest, toughest friends came to the party. I mean, I'm talking mountain men looking dudes, like everybody six foot nine with barrel chest wearing, they look like the brawny towel guy. I mean, it just was unbelievable how they just missed it by, by a second. But you got, it's one of those moments where you go, you know, there's a part of you that goes, hey, New York City, right? <laughs> That's just kind of the edge we live on, dancing on dancing on a landmine, you know? That's kind of what this city's all about. And another part of you is like, oh, but also we're in hell. You know, like this is an unsafe hellscape that uh, at any moment could have led to the death of a dozen people. What do you think, Nicole? Should we get out of here? I'm down. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I don't even know what's better. LA is like on fire and, you know, has more homeless people than residents, I think, at this point. So we're all fucked, but... The only way I think to unfuck ourselves is to leave a five-star review on iTunes. If you haven't, go to the podcast app, leave that there, tell a friend about the pod. I know, um, you know, a lot of you guys like to go and watch it on YouTube, which I appreciate and do that. But, uh, you know, subscribe to the pod anyway, even if you get the audio version, but you prefer to watch the video or vice versa. Go on to, if you listen to it every week, go and uh, click a thumbs up on YouTube. Tell, share it to a friend. We got graphics. Nicole's cooking up. It's a good time. I'm wearing shirts. Life's good. You know, we're drinking. Why else? I'm wearing a shirt. Get on here. You know, um, tell some friends about the pod. This is episode 20. So we're doing like, you know, how people do like this is a three month temporary run. We're doing a we're going to do a if unless I I don't know, because 20 it feels. Do you feel like we've been doing this a long time or not a long time, Nicole? Does 20 feel like the right amount or do you feel like it hasn't, it feels like it's been more than 20 or way less than 20. I have no idea because we have been talking about it for such a long time. It's but true. 
I did started in like October or something, which feels like years ago. Yeah, it does feel like I've been doing this for a while, but also I still feel like I'm figuring it out. So we'll just do, we'll just keep doing a test. But the more people that are interested in the show, the more it makes us want to continue the show. Because by the way, this ain't, this ain't a goddamn easy thing to put together, all right? I mean, it's easy once we're here and we're set up because Nicole and I, were effortless. But I mean, at the same time, there's a lot of prep work that goes into this, people. So make it worth our while. Tell some friends about the podcast. Go watch my special Rage Against the Routine on uh, on my YouTube channel. Check out Here's the Scenario. We got a Patreon, patreon.com slash scenario pod, where I do a bonus episode of Snarky every single week. If you're interested, go check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. And Nicole, where can people find you? Nicole C. Lines on Instagram. You're goddamn right. Let's follow. Let's do that this week. Everybody go listen to this. Go follow Nicole. Unless you don't have Instagram because you're one of those. Um, go follow Nicole and be like, I'm here from Snarky and I appreciate you and your graphics are killer. You have to say that exact quote, otherwise she won't know. Um, but let's let's get that cooking. And um, yeah, come see me on the road, MikeFeeneyComedy.com. I got a ton of uh, dates coming up. I'm going to be at Uncle Vinny's, I think, this week, um, if you're listening to this. I think, yeah, I think I'm going to be at Uncle Vinny's this week. I'm going to be in uh, Tampa doing side splitters March. Let me look this up because we're going to be on the Calta Cruise with um, Mike Cannon, Bobby Kelly, and Brendan Sagalo. That, that cruise is going to be from March 10th through the 13th. And um, we're going to be doing side splitters. We're going to be doing a show there, all of us together, on March 9th. So if you're down in Tampa, come hang out there. It'll be me, Bobby, Brendan, Mike, as I said. It'll be a really good time. And then, uh, yeah, I got other dates coming up. I'm going to be at the uh, Emmaus Theater March 26th. Someone just told me they came into my Twitch chat and said that they just scoped out that venue and it's going to be really awesome. They said that we're going to have a blast there. So I'm very excited. Are you going to come to that show, Nicole? I haven't been invited, but I would love to would come. Would you like to come to that show, Nicole? Yes, please. Uh-huh. You're in. I think um, I think you were always just assumed to be coming until unless expressly written otherwise. Now, on top of that, I would like you guys to go to my Twitch because I'm killing it on Twitch recently. I've been having so much fun. I'm Twitch streaming pretty much every day because I find pockets of time, whether it's after spots or in the middle of the day. And we're just hanging out, man. It's just me. I've been streaming with Lewis and Tim Butterly and Sagalo and Shuli from the Howard Stern Show. I mean, we've been having so much fun and playing all different types of games. Twitch.tv slash NYFreshMaker. Get on board. So let's go back into other stuff that happened. I went to see the new Scream movie. Have you seen it? No. When's the last, have you seen any of the Screams? I don't think I have. Wow, that's wild. I, I will say this, I've definitely seen Scream 1. I don't remember if I've ever seen Scream 2, and I certainly haven't seen Scream 3 and 4. And people really built this up. They were like, this is one of the best Screams that they've made. And it turned, and we've talked about this in the past, how they have the first LGBTQ person who came out as playing an LGBTQ character in the franchise and history. Finally, it's what the series has been missing. And um, they, I saw it, and the first hour of it, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, we're cooking. So let's do a little Mike's movie breakdown, all right? This is, this is the movie, spoiler alerts, if you're gonna see it. Um, it's been billed as the third best scream which is like, who the fuck cares what that means? You know what I mean? It's like, it's obviously not one or two, so it's better than three and four, which were unwatchable pieces of garbage. Great. So this movie to me, in the, from the very first scene, 
the thing it suffers from is being too meta, which I don't, I know you wouldn't expect from like a slasher thing, but literally like all they talk about is this cult horror movie called Stab, you know, where, uh, where there's a guy in a ghost face mask who goes around stabbing people and how like they've made a bunch of them since then. And they even make one of the characters who like literally wears a rainbow pin on her tight shirt and then is like hooking up with other chicks throughout the movie. They're like, we get it. You're a lesbian. You didn't have to fucking wear the pin to be like, get it. And uh, she is, she's constant. She's like the movie nerd. So she's talking the entire time about like, she's an expert on the stab series and about how, you know, like this is, this is what this movie franchise does. They just keep bringing out and rolling out new ones and it's just the same recycled stuff, but they have to bring back legacy characters from the original so that the fans know that they're, uh, you know, that that's still good, which, and then they, of course, bring back Nev Campbell and David Arquette and Courtney Cox and it's all of a sudden becoming like they're doing what the movie, what the characters are talking about the Stab series doing, but they're doing it, so it's like a tongue-in-cheek fun. And there's an element of that where you're like, oh, that's kind of cool, they're not taking themselves too seriously. But then it just like throughout the entire movie, it's so heavy handed with like the the meta stuff. And they're like, so there's a killer on the loose who's back in this town. Now, what does the Stab series have to say about this? And they're like, well, first things first, never trust the love interest. And they're all like, is it the love interest? Uh, You know, uh, Dennis Quaid, Randy Quaid's kid, Dennis Quaid or whatever the the kid's name is. And they're like, no, it couldn't be blah, 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 blah. And spoiler alert. It is, you know, so that's a very fun thing. And they're like, it's the it's the guy you most medium suspect or whatever the hell. it is. And they keep saying all these rules of comedies. And they're like, David Arquette at one point, you know, shoots the scream guy 16 times in the heart. He flies through a flies through a window and just is laying on the ground and they walk away. And then he goes, no, you got to shoot him in the head. Otherwise, they come back. So then he, like, they take the elevator. They're like, don't. And he's like, I'll be right back. And then he walks up to them. He goes to shoot the guy in the head. But instead, the guy, you know, does, like, you know, a kung fu, knocks it out of his hand, shoots him in the face 16 times, uh, stabs him, slits his throat. Now he's dead. And then they talk about how you have to kill one of the legacy characters in the movie, in Stab franchise, because that way the new fans will take it seriously. And then the whole thing at the end just becomes that the the two killers, because there's always more than one killer, that's always part of it, The one of the killers is a friend, and the other killer is the boyfriend, and they both uh, are obsessed with the Stab movie franchise, and they're just hardcore horror fans who want to create a new story because it's always based on real events for a new stab movie so they go out and try to kill some of the people and that inspired the first stab movie so after all of this time the whole thing just becomes like it just they tried to outsmart it and it wasn't that scary there were a couple pop out scares and it did have me guessing you know i wasn't really sure who was doing what until the end and goddamn, where the hell has nev campbell been thank god what a breath of fresh air that woman is can you put up a picture nicole of nev campbell next to courtney cox in the film because there's a bunch of times where they share the screen but right there uh it is crazy the difference because i bet age-wise can you look up the age difference between nev campbell and courtney cox 
because them standing next to each other, one who has had obvious heaping truckloads of plastic surgery and another who's probably looks like she's had maybe, you know, some Botox or something like that, but very light work done. The difference is that of about 46 years. I mean, she, Courtney Cox looks like Nev Campbell's grandmother in the movie. It is unbelievable. She looks like a scarecrow. It's out of control. What's their age difference? Nev is 48 and Courtney is 57. Okay, so almost 10 years, but at the same time, 60 years. So it is, it is nuts. I didn't like the movie. I give it fucking... I I need it. What is what should be my system, Nicole? Of like instead of two thumbs down, what should my uh, scale of equating things be to rate movies? Do we bring stinkers back? That was like a one episode. Okay, thing. okay, <laughs> okay. Is it so? It, so it, does it fucking rock or is it a stinker? I need something other than a stinker. Whatever the opposite of a stinker is. Is it a blank or is it a stinker? I don't even need to worry about what that other thing is right now because I could tell you right this. It's a stinker. So scream five. You're a stinker. Uh, I don't care if it got a 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. That was only because the first 40 minutes were pretty cool. And like one of the last scenes. And then it's like, then it became comically over the top in the end. It turned into, it felt like I was watching a South Park episode about the movie Scream. Like there was, like he... Uh, the woman, you know, who's like, I, she's one of the stabs, the scream people. She goes to kill Courtney Cox. She stabs Courtney Cox. Then Nev Campbell shoots her and she falls onto a stove that like a burner got turned on when she fell into it. And she just immediately goes up in flames in such a way that it's as if she had had gasoline poured all over her. Like she like touches a flame and all of a sudden, and she's just like screaming and she's, you know, she's this fiery bloody corpse. And they say something like, you know, like, yeah, you're pretty hot. There's, you know, they say some stupid line about being like, you know, boy, you really burnt that to a crisp. Whatever the hell the stupid thing. Hey, you're really uh, too hot to trot because you're on fire a lot. You know, whatever this stupid thing is. I don't remember it. Okay. And stop, making me feel bad about that. But the, the she dies on fire and then they go have another scene where there is a standoff in the other room with the other killer. And then just when they kill the other guy, the crazy on fire woman who was just on complete fire, not just like a little on fire, on complete fire and been shot multiple times, comes running back in with a knife with all of her hair missing and she looks like a crazy burn victim. And then she gets shot again and killed too. So it just is stupid. It's just stupid and dumb. It's fun if you want to laugh. If you want to laugh at a Scream movie, go see the new Scream. And if you liked it, you're just a weird horror junkie, I think. I think that's it. Nicole, are you going to see the movie? Um, I don't really feel compelled to after that review. So. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's um, on a scale of not stinker to stinker. <laughs> I need something else besides... What's the positive side of that? Hmm. Let me look up some antonyms of stinker. If you can find... If there's a, any website on the internet that has antonyms and synonyms for stinker, I'm quitting. I'm quitting it all. Um, stink Delight. Damn it, that's so good. Um, you know what? <laughs> that's it. Delight versus Stinker, and I give it 
one stinker. I, I there's no there's no quantity. It's just it just is a stinker or it is a delight. This is a stinker. Licorice pizza, a delight. So there you go. All right. So let's 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 let's. Um, we have fan submitted questions here, and I want to get to them. Some of them I didn't get to last week. Uh, who submitted this? I didn't even write down. Oh, I think I wrote down earlier. Hold on. Let me let me scroll back um, with the physical. Okay. Okay. And I didn't write it down here either. So perfect. Sorry, whoever you are on Instagram who reached out to me. They said, can you drink beer out of the can or should you pour it in a glass to be safe from COVID? Um, no. Wait, I don't even know why I wrote this down. First off, you don't do it because of COVID because that doesn't make any sense. You do it because of class. You understand? Like, it depends what kind of a beer you drink. If you're drinking a Miller High Life, you drink it in the can. If you're drinking uh, a Bud Light, you drink it in the can. If you're drinking... A double IPA, you pour it in a glass. If you're drinking, uh, you, and here's why you do it. It's not just because you're like, the double IPA is a better beer. It's because you need to pour it in the glass so that way people around you see you and go, what's that? And that way they're forced to have to be explained by you why the beer they're drinking is superior to yours. You understand? Like, so if I'm drinking a Miller Lite, I see a guy pouring his, you know, foamy dark colored beer and i go oh what's that i've just opened myself up to like actually this is like a sheep's milk stout from uh you know the 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 fucking moors of england or wherever the fuck you know the moors of ireland and uh and it's just better than anything you'll ever have you dumb piece of shit and then you can guilt people um to ask you into that so that's what that is and I'm, i now i know why i didn't write your name down because i don't even I, that's not, is that even a question Nicole? what would you do do you always pour everything into a glass i don't know sometimes like if i'm at like eating like chicken wings or something i'll enjoy a nice bud in a glass like if they give it to you because it's just yeah. like you know that's kind of like the energy there i like the way you went bud and you really emphasize the you in the bud for no one has ever done that it's like bud and you're like bud um this is from chris bickler people who don't push the toothpaste up from the bottom of the t- tube slash people who squeeze the toothpaste out of the middle of the tube. Um, same question, written twice. But now I will say this. This is exactly the type of shit I want you guys to submit to the show. Here's a scenario. Uh, I'm just going to plug here. I mean, go send it to here's a scenario. I'll probably see it. Snarkypodcast at gmail.com or send it to my Instagram. Um, this is exactly right up my alley of things that are minor annoyances that drive me up a fucking wall. Okay. Um, now I will say, because uh, I am not, I am not without sin, you know, because uh, I am not Jesus, you know. So, uh, but I do love the first squeeze of the toothpaste when you open it. The first squeeze, you gotta go middle. I mean, you gotta go middle on that first squeeze. It's the best. You've never felt so much raw power in your life than just that. Fat middle belly button push of the goddamn tube. And then afterwards, you start working your way in from the bottom and stuff like that. It's always weird when people buy those little plastic things that clip on the end of it and then you put it up and it rolls up. Just roll it up. You don't need a device to help you. Just be the human and pull it up from the bottom. But I love a good, nothing will ever feel as good as that middle first push of a toothpaste tube. But if you're a piece of shit, who like you 
use all of it from the top, and then I gotta fucking roll it over like a like I'm rolling up a goddamn military blanket or something, and then squeeze it and then put my elbow on it just to get a little bit out of it. That drives me crazy. Do, does does Chris do that, Nicole? Um, I do that. I just go from wherever I want, really. But, wow. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we should get Chris on here to talk about that because that is definitely something that annoys him. I don't know. I feel like he probably does the same thing. I haven't. I mean, we've only been living together for like a month, so I this haven't, is we've true. haven't run out of a yeah. toothpaste yet. That's, so. This is very true. This will be like that. That'll it'll be over because of that soon enough. You'll have to. I would. I would watch out for. I would start making the proper adjustments now and course correct before it's too late. Um, because that'll drive anybody crazy. Nothing's worse than going to, like, because toothpaste. When does it come? It comes, start your day, end of your night, usually, you know? So you're like, both things, you're like, I'm just getting out of bed. I'm just, you're very, that actually made me really yawn. Um, You're actually, you know, you're you're just starting your day. Nothing more frustrating than trying to squeeze toothpaste and it ain't there. Or when you just want to go to bed, you're so exhausted. You're like, I've got to brush my goddamn teeth. I don't know if you're like me. I'm like a goddamn child when I go to bed. Like, oh, I don't want to brush my teeth as if anyone's going to tell me that I'm in trouble if I don't, but you know, I don't know. I, you know, I worked for these, you know, these teeth. I'm not going to just let them go to waste after all this, you know? So, and there's nothing worse than when you want to go to bed and then you got to sit there going, you fucking get this stupid fucking thing over there. It's the worst. It's the worst thing in the world. So, uh, yeah, just, you know, everybody just, uh, be a human, be considerate, roll your toothpaste from the bottom and, uh, the world will be a better place. Okay. All right. Getting towards the end here, Nicole. I think, um, Oh boy, I turned that page and it was blank. Some of these things, I, I, I love how, by the way, how many of these pages I've already, I'm almost done with this legal pad and I've only, I only use this legal pad for this podcast and I would love for you guys to see, like I bet that most of you think that I'm writing like full essays about each topic. I mean, I literally wrote Casey's 40th birthday homeless fight and then Martini Station with three exclamation points. That was the whole, and I talked about that for eight minutes, 10 minutes. I don't know. That that's, There's nothing. I just write a million little dumb things on here bec- and then just hope that I, uh, I hope that I get to it. Now, someone said this. This is a nice little story to end on. Someone goes, there's this new article I read. They said, why do we forget? And they say a new theory proposes that forgetting is actually a form of learning and that we create countless memories as we live our lives, but many of these we forget. And that is just absolutely written by a stoner trying to feel better about failing out of college. I mean, is there a more obviously not true thing you've ever heard in your life? Like, Forgetting is a part of learning. That's why I don't know my daughter's birthday. It's because I'm constantly innovating and learning so much that my brain's like, you know what? You should learn the act of forgetting. And then you put it away. Like that to me seems crazy. Like I, maybe there's some truth to that with like with trauma and stuff. But is it ever really gone, Nicole? Trauma? Definitely not. It's just waiting. It's just waiting in the wings to attack like a goddamn bear or like a recently not as famous rapper anymore, trying to transition into stand-up comedy. It all comes back around, folks. That's what this show is about. It is um, it is impressive, Nicole. We've done over 20 hours of this together. 
Not including the uh, test episodes that never saw the light of day. Not including the test episodes that never saw the light of day. Uh, not including the Patreon episodes, which is probably like, I don't know, like five hours of additional stuff together. And, you know, the jury's still out on whether people love it or not. But I will say this, the people that see it are having a good time. Right, gang? Type it in the chat if you're having a good day. Um, so, yeah, I think... Uh, oh, one this thing. This isn't even... This is just a fun way to end the show is that I got, and we talked about this, Nicole, I got Jeet's DNA results. I did them, and I'm going to read them to you now because everybody always asks, what is Jeet? And we finally figured it out. And the results may surprise you. Um, He is 46. I'm not going to tell you the website that I used to find this DNA test because they reached out to me about sponsoring, about me like, getting a free one and then I would like promote it and make a video about it. And they were like, absolutely. We'd love to do that. And then a year went by and then I reached back out to them and then they stopped writing back and then I just bought it. Um, but for that, I will never promote them. So fuck whatever that company is, but here are the results. They're very awesome. And this is totally worth every single cent. 46.9% Beagle. No surprises there. Makes total sense. Next up, Shocking, a shocking second place, 16.6% American Pitbull Terrier. What? Pitbull? Nicole, can you imagine Gita's a Pitbull? Well, I think that that one like explains his body ratio a little bit in terms of like very short, very wide. Yes, very short, very stocky. He's 11.9% American Foxhound, which I'd never seen. But then once I look it up, I was like, oh, yeah, I could see Jeet in that. 10% Boykin Spaniel, which, again, once you look it up, you're like, oh, okay. 9% Shih Tzu. What? Uh, you can, and then 4.8% Bulldog, which also explains the, the body proportions and the short little stubby legs. That, that's 4%. Each percent is one of his little short stubby legs. But they actually show you, like, the tree. Like the what species fucked what to get what. And it was a pit bull terrier and a shih tzu that fucked that. So so that was, he's just a product of shih tzu rape because there's no way. I would love to believe that the, the pit bull was the female, but we just all know it wasn't the case, you know? And imagine what that son of a bitch looked like. Imagine a shih tzu giving birth to a pit bull mix. I mean, that must have just destroyed that dog's Anyway, um, thank you, everybody, for watching. I don't know. I felt like that was a fun thing to share. Was that a weird way to end the show, Nicole? No, we started with suicide, ended with rape. So there we go. Solid show. I mean, full, 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 just, you know, white emoji. You know, that's <laughs> classic white emoji comedian, you know, not being yellow, not hiding behind anything. Full white. You know, not that there's anything wrong with the other sides, you know, but if you, whatever I choose to identify as this week, it's what I am. Who knows next week, you know, maybe next week I'll identify as a fucking, you know, as a, as a whiskey sour or as a, as a stinker. I'll, I'll, maybe I'm going to go identify as a little stinker going forward and that'll be me. Anyway, thanks for watching the show. You're all great. See you next week. Cheers. Cheers.